Welcome to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. God's pathway to heaven is Jesus Christ, the Savior. His bridge to introduce Jesus to people is the local church. But in many churches, there are broken bridges. Welcome to episode nine of this series, 12 Broken Bridges, New Pathways to Restore Spiritual Vitality to You and to Your Church. Here we go. Broken Bridge number nine, Consumer Christians. You know, consumerism makes for really a great economy most of the time. People want things, so they buy things. It results in an economically healthy country. Years ago, at about the time of the fall of communism, for seven years in a row, I was asked to bring a group of leaders from the U.S. to teach the young evangelical Christians that were being let out of jail. They were there because they were evangelical Christians, and they were starting churches but didn't know much on how to do church. So we were asked to go there. I was ambivalent about going to the uh, USSR. I had grown up in a family that built a bomb shelter because of the Russian threat. That's just the age in which we lived at that time. So I, I didn't really know. I had to pray about it. And then finally, God just said, hey, you know, these young Christians need direction and guidance and teaching, and you need to go do these conferences. And so uh, that's what we did for seven years. And while I was there, I saw the results of a different kind of economy that's not consumer-driven, but that was uh, politically driven, and the whole idea that the state is more important than the individual. I was shocked. We had some leaders from uh, Moscow take us around. First thing I noticed were the roads everywhere were horrible. I know we have, uh, especially in the northern states in the U.S., and especially after a, a lot of uh, freezing and thawing during the winter, we have a lot of road repairs that are leaving a lot of potholes out there before they're repaired. And I know that's possible, but this was so chronic right there in uh, Moscow, their largest metropolitan area. It was just terrible. And then we had a visit to a hospital, and I just couldn't believe it looked like a hospital like I don't know, maybe 40 years before that time in our country, uh, what I remember as a little kid, and here I was as an adult and a pastor, and I knew what hospitals looked like. I visit people in hospitals as a pastor, and I just couldn't believe the antiquated and old style of the hospitals. I would not want to have a problem, physical problem there in Russia at that time and get into one of those hospitals. And the housing, you know, they wanted to control the people, so they put them on these tall apartment buildings. And these people told us that if they didn't cooperate, if they were going to rebel against communism, the local authorities would turn off the heat because the heat was controlled by one central place. Everything was centralized. That's communism. We looked at some schools. They were way, way behind our schools. I couldn't believe it. This was the country that we were afraid of. Yeah, they had intercontinental ballistic missiles, and there were some scary things like that, but they were spending their money on those things and not on the people. It just really surprised me. I was literally shocked. I had culture shock at how worn down and decrepit and how far behind Russia was at that time. Yeah, communism just doesn't work. 
Even in China today, China is rethinking how life works best, how commerce works best. They're energetic, hardworking people, but they're rethinking how they're working with the rest of the world. So, yeah, you look at consumer mentality, capitalism. Yeah, there's some, some really good things about that that bring about innovation and good things for all people at all levels of society. And then there's Christianity, which is its own culture within any bigger culture, whether you're in China, Russia, or anywhere in the world, here in the U.S., in England, anywhere, there's a culture within the culture, and some of Christianity is counterculture. For example, many people outside of Christ and a relationship with the Lord have this idea that my greatest thing is to get a good job. Why? So I can make money. Why? So I can buy things. Why? So I can be comfortable. Okay. That it? Yeah, that's pretty much it. That's sort of a consumeristic point of view. But Christianity is a counterculture on that mentality. Christianity says it's better to give than to receive. And when you do it, you find out a joy that God put inside of our lives, inside of our beings. Our Creator put it in there. And if and when you ever get around trying it, you find out, yeah, it is better to give than to receive. But that's counterculture to consumerism. And so Jesus in his own life, of course, had a lifestyle. He did not live in a palace. He wasn't born to royalty. He wasn't even born to a Pharisee leader of the religious dimension of Israel. He didn't live in the temple, even though it was his father's house, his heavenly father's house. He didn't even live in Jerusalem, which was the place to live if you were a religious person in Israel. Jesus was from Nazareth. Nazareth is a hick town in Israel. And so Jesus was basically a Nazarene hillbilly. Literally, that's the way people looked at the people from Nazareth. They were hillbillies. So apparently God didn't think that Jesus had to show off, and he didn't have a lot of commitment to comfort and consumer mentality. So that kind of raises a question, and that would be, how would Jesus feel walking into your church? It's an interesting question because of all that we know about Jesus from his lifestyle particularly during his ministry years where we know a lot about Jesus. We know how he dressed, where he lived. We know how he moved. Wasn't putting on the Ritz, that's for sure. But how would he feel walking into your church? It's okay to have stuff that helps the mission. You know, you want a roof over your head. People don't have to get wet or get cold in the wintertime if you're in the northern part of a region. But how would he look at those things that we have? And what do we have that moves the mission? What are the priorities demonstrated by the accoutrements of our facilities? Uh, think about it. Because there's a challenge in all of this, and it's actually a challenge. Not that consumer capitalism isn't necessarily bad. It can be. Anything can be abused. 
but is there too much consumer mentality and could it be killing the church for outreach? You know, some Christians, when we interview them, when we consult a church, we interview people and, and sometimes we'll ask them, why are you here in this church? Well, because I want to be fed. And this is a church where I get fed spiritually. I think they're talking about spiritually, not carrying dinners, potlucks. But the deal is, there's a level of reality that you can be a show-up, feed-me Christian, you can become fat, and you can become spiritually self-indulgent. It'll creep up on you. It's easy to, to occur. I've heard people in interviews say, well, yeah, I left that church over there because I just wasn't fed. And then later in the interview, as they continue talking about their move to the present church, they'll say, well, yeah, I didn't like the pastor very well. Then they'll go on and say, well, they didn't have a nursery for my kids, and so on and so forth. So the bottom line is, how important is it that the church you belong to or the way you live your Christian life, how important is it, what level of importance is it about things that you like or don't like. How important is it that it may not be about what you like, but what you share with others? So when you think about this issue of consumerism, it's a matter of degree. It's a matter of priority. It's a matter of posture. It's a culture in the church. And behind all of this, what's the elephant in the room? Well, it's likely the issue of change. Do you ever hear someone at church say, I'm not comfortable with that? I can remember during the early years of my consulting career, working with many, many churches that were taking a hard look at and experimenting with contemporary worship, which basically was, let's do worship in the heart language music of people that are attending and the people we're trying to reach. But during that time, there were a lot of worship wars, I think they were called. A lot of books written about that stuff during that time. It's ancient history now. But I can remember people saying, you know, I just can't stand to go to church because the first service is a contemporary service, and I go to the second service, but they still have the instruments up there at the front of the church, and I just can't stand to see a drum set up there near the cross. I just can't worship with drums, just the visual of drums up there. It's just too much for me. I can't focus on the sermon. I'm not comfortable with that. That's the bottom line. So the obvious question is, all right, how important is your comfort to God? Um, let's back up. How important was comfort to God the Father for his son Jesus? How comfortable was it for God the Father to watch his son being ridiculed, beaten, and crucified? How important is comfort to God? Ask a missionary who goes out of their culture, eats foods they never had before. It becomes their staple diet. They have none of the comforts they would have if they'd have stayed home in their own country. They have to learn a different language, a different culture, a different style. Comfort? I remember visiting some missionaries in the Kalahari Desert in Botswana, one of the most remote mission stations in the world. 
There is a road to that place. It isn't much, but there is a road. And I remember driving there with a missionary that was in charge of missionaries in that area. He would visit these people once every couple months. But I remember driving into town, and I'm looking at people walking along the road, not a stitch of clothes, absolutely, totally naked. And I'm telling you, it's not that way in the cities in Botswana, but this is such a remote place and just another world. And so we go to this missionary's house, just a very small, very modest, rough house. This couple and a couple of children that are from the United States, and I'm looking where they live in this desert. No inside toilet, no air conditioning, hotter than blazes. And then the kicker was they took us outside in the backyard, I use the word yard loosely. It's where the latrine was. But right there near the house, two graves of two of their children that died of diseases we don't even have in North America. They would have never died of those diseases anyway if those missionaries had not felt the call to reach unchurched people in that region of the world. Comfort? It was not on their agenda, and I will never forget it. I hope you don't either. That's what people do. That's what Jesus did. He died for the mission. Comfortable? No. Mark Twain once said, one of my favorite sayings of Mark Twain, the only person who really likes change is a baby with a wet diaper. Now, that's kind of funny, but I'll tell you what, that's a very important biblical concept. Because people don't change until they become uncomfortable. Now, think about that. Because God is allowing something. He's not doing it. We're doing it. But he's allowing something in the U.S. right now, just like it's happened in Europe and Canada and now in the U.S. These are regions of the world where Christianity is dying Not everywhere, not every church. There are exceptions. There always are. But when you take the big picture, it's serious. We are losing ground. We are losing the culture. We are culpable. We Christians, we church people are culpable for the moral decay of our society. All of it. All of the challenges that we hear on the news. The shootings, the drugs, the killing of babies. I mean, you name it. Everything. Everything that is discomforting to us is because we have not done our job as Christians. And part of that, a big part of that, is we are unwilling to change in a world that is constantly changing. Not change our beliefs, that would be the worst thing ever, but to change our delivery systems, to change what we were comfortable with, to change our consumer mentality about what we're not comfortable with. And so, yes, There's a growing discomfort among Christians, and I'm happy as a clam. I couldn't tell you how happy I am that Christians are beginning to wake up and say, you know what? Our attendance is lower and lower every single year. We're bleeding, but slowly, but we're dying, but slowly. We're getting older and grayer, and I can see the handwriting on the wall. Oh, I'm so happy. Finally, God is getting at least some people's attention. Some are still dreaming or pretending or ignoring, or stuck in their consumer mentality. But there are more and more all the time. 
that have this discomfort, and I'm so happy because it's like they're babies with a wet diaper. And that's what God allows us to get into, that discomfort, because then we're willing to change. We are willing to adapt to a world that is constantly changing, not adapt our message, that's eternal, but to adapt our delivery systems. And so much needs to change or we're going to lose it all. So is your church declining? Is it growing at a rate slower than your community? Then it's losing. It's losing ground. You are culpable. Yes. Is it getting older? That median age growing? Yeah. Have you lost those young people? Yeah. Does it make you uncomfortable? Great. Because you're going to be, or at least you're starting the beginning of being open to change. You see, in a consumer society, we are surrounded by conflict, but we are immersed in comfort. Kind of ironic, isn't it? I mean, we're so comfortable, even though we're so concerned about our world and our society. But internally, oh yeah, we've got hot showers, we've got great beds, we've got king beds, we've got amazing pillows, we've got heat in the winter, we've got cooling in the summer, we even have lazy boy chairs, <laughs> which is my favorite. I, I, I'm embarrassed about the name, but I love lazy boy chairs. In fact, I write my books in a lazy boy chair. <laughs> I, I don't know why. I just, if you're going to spend 10 hours writing each day and get a chapter done, you, you want to be comfortable. I, I admit it, and I'm sorry it's called a lazy boy chair, but working for 10 hours is not a lazy boy, I'll tell you that. <laughs> and the name bothers me, but I don't think about it much, really. <laughs> How about our cars? Oh, my goodness, our cars are about ready to drive themselves. <laughs> Talk about spoiled. Talk about comfort. Oh, my goodness, climate controlled. I can remember the first time in our ministry, I, I raised my own support. You know, I'm a missionary to America, so I raised my own salary, and, and the board sets my salary. I don't have anything to do with that, of course. I've always had hand-me-down cars, and now I, I just lease a car because I have to have a car that works. But back in the day, uh, not too long ago, I had a hand-me-down car. And, and so I was always getting cars from people that would donate them. And of course, they were obviously older models. I didn't care. As long as they worked, that was fine. I flew up to northern Michigan to see a family of donors. And the guy picked me up at this little airport in northern Michigan in the dead of winter, and it was really cold. I got in the front seat and sat in the car, and all of a sudden, I was starting to get a fever in my butt. And Finally, I said something to my friend, the guy that picked me up, and the father of the family that supports our family in ministry. I said, I'm getting hot. I got a fever at the wrong end. And he says, oh, that's my butt warmer. And uh, he said, you know about butt warmers? They've been around for a few years now. Well, now in the lease car that I have, I actually have a butt warmer. And you know what? It's kind of cool. I mean, it's kind of warm. <laughs> anyway, on a cold day, it, it, I use it. But, you know, we really kind of live in a comfortable world, don't we? It's just amazing. So let's take it to church, though. So what do we hear from church people? Attend a Bible class? No, I'm not comfortable with that. We'd like to go out to breakfast after church, and that would conflict with that. How about this one? 
How would you like to learn to share your faith? I don't think I'm comfortable talking to people that aren't Christians. I don't think I know enough about the Bible. Well, then you could go to Bible class. No, we already said you're not comfortable with that. Oh, if I talk to somebody about Jesus, they might, they might reject me, and I'm not comfortable with rejection. Well, nobody's comfortable with rejection, so get over it. Or how about this one? You want to go on a mission trip to uh, somewhere in South America? Oh, no, I'm not comfortable with that. I don't like bugs. Yeah, okay. Or how about you invite someone you know who doesn't go to church to an alpha course that we're having at the YMCA? Oh, no, I'm not comfortable with talking to those people. Yeah, they're friends at work, but no, I, I, I really don't know what I want to say. I mean, I, I don't know how to do that. How about reaching out to homeless people? Oh, no, I'm not comfortable with that. Those people are strange. How about getting involved in the jail ministry? Oh, no, I'm not comfortable with that. They scare me. How about talking to some newcomers that come to your church? Oh, no, I'm not comfortable with that. I'm not an outgoing person, even for the sake of their salvation. I, 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 couldn't, I didn't want to be that uncomfortable at church. We've heard it. We've all heard it. We've heard it a million times. I hear it all the time. And we even have a zone that we talk about. It's called our comfort zone. Don't want to be outside my comfort zone. And if that determined every aspect of our life, we would have no astronauts, no Marines, no law enforcement officers. God bless these people. We would have no teachers, and we would have no pastors. From personal experience, I know this. I can't tell you how far I was out of my comfort zone so many times as a pastor. Like the time I got a phone call at 3 a.m., woke me up in the middle of a deep sleep. The voice on the other line was a woman in our church. Hey, Tom is drunk again. He has a gun. I'm scared for the children. Comfortable? <laughs> no, I wasn't comfortable. How about the wife that was disturbed and her husband called me late one night? My wife just hung herself in the garage. The police are here. Could you come? What about the woman who visited me in my church office privately and said, I got to talk to you about a very sensitive issue. I love my father but I have learned that he has molested my daughters. This is not comfortable. So, you know, ministry's not that way. Can't tell you it's a happy road all the time. When someone says, I'm not comfortable with that, ask yourself, what would Jesus say? He might ask, so what's your point? You're not comfortable with that. I get it. What's your point? When the Father sent Jesus to earth, what if the idea of leaving heaven, Jesus said, no, Father, I'm not comfortable with that. When Jesus had to die on the cross, what if he'd have said, no, I don't, I don't want to die for these people. No, let them go to hell. No, grace, that's too expensive. No, I'm not comfortable with that cross thing. Or what if the Apostle Paul, when he was called to be a missionary of a great movement and be rejected by his fellow Jews, what if he'd have said, no, I'm not comfortable with that. I've been a Jewish rabbi all my life. I don't want to be thrown out of my group. Well, thank God that Jesus didn't say, I'm not comfortable, because we would have no hope, literally. So, what will it take? What will it take for you to overcome comfort for the cause of Jesus? What will it take for you not to be a spiritual consumer? What will it take for you to be a consumer of the scripture, a consumer of mission? You think about that. And in our next episode, we'll take a look at the broken bridge of y'all come. Until then, say your prayer. 
Search your heart, search your Bible, and find God's pathway around your broken bridges. You have been listening to Kent Hunter's Prescriptions from a Church Doctor, presented by Church Doctor Ministries. If you've liked this episode, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe to hear future episodes. Check out Kent Hunter's new book, Who Broke My Church? Seven Proven Strategies for Renewal and Revival, available now wherever books are sold.